Lord God, we fall down before you in surrender, God. And tis so sweet, Lord. Tis so sweet, you are Jesus to us. And we pray for your touch upon us and your continued moving of your spirit, Lord. We ask that you would bless your word, God. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to what the Spirit is saying to us. I pray that you give us a mind to understand your principles before us today. And Lord, give us a heart to receive your word and what you are saying and apply them to our lives, Lord. Let not your word just go into one year and go out the next and we go out these doors and live our life the same. No, Lord, change us, transform us this morning, God, that we may walk out of here different, Lord, transformed by your power, the power of your resurrection, by the power of God residing in us. So, Lord, we give you this time. We ask for your touch and your anointing by your spirit. We ask for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. All right, if you were asked this question, what is love? What would you say? How would you describe that to someone? Well, here's how some keiki answered the question, what is love? Chrissy, age six, says, love is when you go out to eat and you give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. Carl, age five, answered this way, Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. <laughs> Danny, age seven, said, Love is when mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure it tastes okay. For some reason, the sandwiches that my wife makes me comes, comes to me with a bite taken out too. <laughs> I know, it's love. <laughs> uh, let's see, uh, Christy, age seven, says, love is when mommy sees daddy smelly and sweaty, and she still says that he is handsomer than Brad Pitt. <laughs> Maybe some of you guys got that too. Johnny, age seven, answered, what is love this way? Falling in love, he says, is like an avalanche where you run for your life. <laughs> And I think this is the best one for this question, what is love? This is from Elaine, age five. She says, love is when mommy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. I like that one. Well, as we return to our study in the book of Corinthians, Paul gives the Corinthian believers a clear description of what love is is and it's not just any love but what agape love is and it's this kind of love that makes a difference in people's lives it's agape love that is love that truly touches others so i titled my message this morning the love that touches others that's our title the love that touches others we're going to be studying first corinthians chapter 13 and we're going to be studying verse 4 and that's it. Just verse 4. I told you we're going to go through this chapter very slowly. I think this is one of the greatest chapters, one of the most important chapters in our lives. And we need to take our time and not just fly through it. So today we're just going to study 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 only. Now in this verse we're going to see two things mainly and this is our outline. Number one is what love does and number two is what love does not. So pretty simple what love does and what love does not. 
And we're going to find out that this agape love is a love that touches others. So with this, this is only part one of the love that touches others, actually. We're going to have two more parts to this as we make our way through this chapter. So let's begin here. The love that touches others, number one, what love does what love does take a look with me here now first corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 we begin with this love suffers long and we're going to stop right there we're going to just take that portion love suffers long as we begin we come to this word love and as you know as we've been studying that word love in the greek in the original language of what's written here is the word Agape. You remember that means, as we've been studying, unconditional love. Agape means selfless love. Agape means a giving love, like a, a giving not expecting in anything in return. It's a love that, that gives even though it's not earned or even though it's undeserved, you still give. That's what agape is. And if you missed last week, I really encourage you to grab the CD because we started chapter 13 and defined much of this already. So putting that in your mind, love suffers long. The word love here is the Greek word agape. And this is the love that Paul is painting a picture of. It's agape. It's this kind of love that will touch others. Now, we'll back up just a moment. Remember how the Corinthian believers were abusing the spiritual gift. So Paul has to come in here and talk about love, and this is why. The Corinthian believers are abusing the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of tongues, especially that. They felt, well, that was the most important gift that you can have. That's tongues, and, and if you don't have tongues, you're not spiritual. And, he, and they were talking in that way that they were more spiritual because they had these gifts. Remember in this section, chapter 12, 13, and 14, it's all talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And so Paul's been speaking about the gifts, defining the gifts. What are they for? The purpose and all. We saw that in chapter 12. Now as we come into chapter 13, he, talking, he talks about love. Remember Paul said in 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, he says, there's, you know what, a more excellent way. There's a higher way of living. There's something even more, a greater gift than tongues, he was saying. There's something even more than exercising the gifts. And what is that? Love. Then he crossed over into chapter 13 and began to talk about love, about agape. And last week we saw how chapter 13 started out with Paul showing the Corinthians that agape love is the love that really matters. Remember, that was our title last week, the love that really matters. That's actually our outline for the whole chapter, the love that really matters, and then now we're in the love that touches others, and then when we get to the last section of chapter 13, it's going to be the love that lasts forever, but right, last week was the love that really matters. It's not the gifts, it's not that it's love that really matters, and this week it's the love that touches others, and we're going to find out and define what that is. John MacArthur says the purpose of Paul is not to give a technical analysis of love, but to break it down into smaller parts so that we may more easily understand, and then MacArthur said this, and apply its full and rich meaning. 
And I like that. I pulled that out and I say that to you because Paul is here not just giving some definition of love. God, Paul is teaching about agape. Paul paints this picture, this portrait of agape so that it would bring about a change in our lives. That we would have a change of living. That this would, agape would become a habit of our, of our lives. That it would be the first response in our lives to things. So I'll tell you right now as we begin this section, this love that touches others, it's going to be a challenge. And I'm sorry to say right now that you're going to have a hard week this week. <laughs> you're going to have a hard time. You're going to be challenged in each of these attributes that we're going to come across. I'll tell you because God wants us to apply it in our lives. I know I have. I know this week studying this I was like, oh my gosh, Lord. Oh, I, I mean, I'm having these feelings in the flesh and these weak times and it's like, Lord, what's going on? Oh, I know, because we're going to talk about love, you know, right? So I'm sorry to say you're going to have a really hard week this week, all right? So just prepare now. Put your armor on. Get ready. But listen to what the Word of God is saying to you and apply it to your life so you can have victory and love in a manner and have agape in a manner that God would like you to have through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So what does love look like? What is this portrait that Paul is painting? Well, we begin here, verse 4, as we read, number 1, love suffers long. This is the first thing that Paul puts out what love does. What love does is love suffers long. Now, these two words, suffers long, is actually one Greek word. But the one Greek word is made up of two Greek words. The first word is makro, and it means Long. The second Greek word is thumia, thumia, which means temper. And so this one Greek word, makrothumia, means literally, if you put it together, long-tempered. That's opposite of being short-tempered, right? We can relate to that. Well, in other words, this kind of love, it doesn't get upset easy, easily. It doesn't get angry easily. The ESV version of the Bible translates it this way. Love is patient. We've heard that word, right? Patient. Love basically doesn't get annoyed too quickly. Love is willingly to, you know, willing to suffer the abuse, suffer the hurt, suffer the injustice, and not let it get to you. It's willing to not lead to anger and then what? Retaliation, right? That's what love suffers long. That's the idea. The idea is love, it'll take the hits. It'll absorb them to be willing to be disappointed. Love is willing to be hurt again and again. Now, I was thinking about this. Isn't this God's love for sinners? Isn't that exactly how he loves us? 2 Peter 3, 9 says, But, it, but is, uh, God is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is long-suffering. He's patient with us. God allows himself to constantly be offended by those he created, those he blessed, those he takes care of. Why? So they might have a chance to be saved. That's the patience of God. That's the long-suffering of God. It's exactly what God is when we say love suffers long. 
So love suffers long means this. Agape suffers long because love, it means love is willing to be offended and take the hits all for the sake of the other person. Put that into your mind. Agape suffers long. Because, and it means love is willing to be offended and take the hits all for the sake of the other person. Are we like that? I'm not. I'll tell you, I've failed in this area so many times. I confess to you. But it's something God would like us to do. Something God will put into, wants us to put in our mind. So through the Holy Spirit, through the power of God, we know how to love and what love does you know there's a saying out in the world fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me i don't know if you heard that before and the idea is that it's to your shame if you're treat uh, cheated uh, twice by some swindler that swindles you right that's the idea that we should know we should be akamai to those things and so it's not good to say buy from someone like that or hire the services from a company like that and so we're like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to be taken again. I'm not going to be, you know, swindled again. Yeah, that's okay out in the world and business and those things. But that does not apply to relationships with each other. If someone hurts you, you don't use this saying to say, well, that's it. We're done. See you later. That's not unconditional love, right? It's conditional love. Agape is unconditional love. So Paul is saying, hey, love suffers long. Love is patient. Love takes the hits. Love is willing. Agape is willing to be offended and take the hits all for the sake. What of that other person? Just like what God does to us. How about this one? The world says what? Don't get mad. What? Get even. Right? Don't get mad. Get even. Well, you know what? That was the thinking in the ancient world. That's what it was with the Greeks in the Roman world back then. They prided themselves in retaliation. They prided in the, in themselves in, in vengeance. And, and, and it was a virtue. I mean, well, I mean, we love those movies, right? The guy is wrong. Injustice is done. They, at the end of the movie, they come back. Yeah, they get him. We're like, yeah, yeah, rah, rah. Get him, yeah. We love that, yeah. We're, we're, we love those kind of movies. Yeah, the rocky ones or the, you know, all those, right? But you know what God is saying? Hey, is that really right? No, Paul is writing to Corinthian believers. No, love suffers long. Agape is willing to be offended and take the hits for the sake of that other person. For love. Is that you? Does that describe you this morning as your first reaction? Your first response is to take action, strike back. Or when you get annoyed, it's like you start, oh, the mouth starts going, right? The criticism starts coming out. Is that your first reaction? Where's the love, yeah? Where's the love? Sometimes we even feel we have that right. And maybe you do. But is it necessary at the time? Is it what God is calling us to be as we live for Jesus in this world? I mean, I, I try and put in my mind, doesn't God have the right to judge me for my failure, for what I've said, for what I've done? But he's patient with me. He's merciful to me. He gives me grace. He loves me. He agapes me. He loves me unconditionally. Shouldn't I be that way? 
Why am I not so patient? I read about a well-known atheist in the late 1800s, Robert Ingersoll. He would many times challenge God in the middle of his speeches and lectures by saying, I give God five minutes to strike me dead for the things I've said. And then he'd wait five minutes. He'd wait there. And then, then he would use that moment as he's speaking to people and that he said, look, God didn't strike me dead, so it proves that God doesn't exist. Well, one time this um, old preacher, Theodore Parker, in that era, responded to what he was saying. And he, Theodore Parker said, and did he think that he could exhaust the patience of the eternal God in five minutes? I like that. I'll tell you, my patience only goes for one minute. <laughs> Maybe on a good day, it goes for three minutes, five minutes. Think about how far God is long-suffering to us. So if he's like that, to shouldn't we be to one another? I don't know about you. I'm, I'm convicted. My love is not long-suffering. It's short-suffering. <laughs> That's my love. It's, it's not even five minutes. Paul's saying, that's not love. That's not agape. Agape, love, is long-suffering. Maybe we should put it this way. Where's the real aloha? Right? The real aloha. Let's go on here. In verse 4, Paul continues and he says, and is kind. So what love does, secondly, love is kind. First of all, love suffers long. And now secondly, love is kind. The word kind means to serve, to help, all with goodwill and graciousness. Now, I like how suffers long and kind is paired together. Paul says, and is kind. Patience is like on the passive side, right? But kindness takes action. That's what kindness is about. See, kindness goes hand in hand with patience. Love will endure the injury, but then it pays back with kindness. And again, that's what God does with us. Romans 2, 4 says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? The word goodness is actually kindness. So you can say the kindness of God leads you to repentance. That's, that's what God does with us. He's patient with us. He's long-suffering. And then he gives us kindness. He, he's kind to us. And you know what? That melts our hearts and brings us to that place of repentance. Notice something here. That these attributes of agape love, they have to do with doing something. Whether it's taking the hits or, or doing a kind deed or even saying a kind word. This I want you to put into your mind that agape is action. Agape love is about action. It's about doing something. Love doesn't feel patience, right? Love practices patience. Love doesn't just have kind feelings, but love does kind Things. That's why the heading here, and that's why I put it here, what love does. Agape love is about doing. John wrote in 1 John 3, 18, my, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth, in action. 
So when Paul writes here, love is kind, it means that love or agape is willing to do or to say kind things unconditionally for the sake of others. Love is kind means that love is willing to do or to say kind things unconditionally for the sake of others. That's agape love, unconditional love. We're willing to do, say, we're willing to take some action. Love is kind. I like this poem that someone wrote. A little word in kindness spoken, a motion or a tear, has often healed a heart that's broken and made a friend sincere. I like that. Because see, when you respond with kindness, you can change the world around you. A love like that touches others. Kindness does amazing things, right? People in the world aren't that kind. And then when Christians are kind, I mean like agape kind of kind. You get that? Yeah, right? If you're that kind, you know what? It's going to shine the light of Jesus and you're going to love with the love of God on others. Pastor Ron, uh, he, my friend, uh, you know, he comes here every year. I think he's going to be here in June this year. From He pastors Calvary Chapel Houston in Texas. And actually, he's invited uh, Kristen and I at the end of the year to do a conference over there with him. But anyway, Pastor Ron was sharing how a new neighbor had moved next door to him. This man, the husband, had this mean temper. He always had alcohol in his breath. He was always short and curt with him and all that. And, and one night, the, the pastor's dog had barked all night while they were gone. And when they came home, there was a note on their door from their neighbor saying, quiet your dog or I'll quiet him permanently. Well, Ron, and being a human being like any of us, he said that his first response was to take the dog over and let him try. <laughs> but then he remembered this verse, love suffers long and is kind. Then he thought about being kind. So he went over, apologized, told him that he would keep the dog in the garage next time they're gone so there wouldn't be distraction and stay more quiet. And then he, he told the neighbor, he said, you know, and let me know if there's anything else I can do for you. I really want to be a good neighbor to you. And you know what? From that day, the attitude of this neighbor changed dramatically. Is kindness your first reaction? Is that what you normally do? I wish I could. I know I got to change. But you know, if we change, we can change the world around us. Paul's saying love is kind and that means that agape is willing to do or to say kind things unconditionally for the sake of others. Do you know your anger? Do you know your, your retaliation? Do you know your impatience is really, really ruining kindness? Or maybe, I was thinking about this, maybe what we think is kindness is only a weak show of what God is really wanting agape love to be. You know, we talk about agape love, but do, are we really willing to step it up, to really be kind? Maybe to, to do something without the grumbling going, on. okay, I'll do this, Lord, right? Yeah, under the breath, inside the heart. You know, right? Don't, don't look at me like you don't know. I know you know. 
I've seen it. No, no. I know in me. Yeah. I know in me. And when sometimes we're proud that, well, yeah, we're self-controlled and, yeah, we're going to do something kind and we're not going to retaliate. We're going to do the opposite. But all the while inside, we're just fuming and everything, right? And we're proud, like, yeah, I didn't do that. I really wanted who I wanted to, but, but I didn't do that. But you know what? God is saying that's not enough, you know. It's got to be in here, yeah? It's got to be in here. Well, let's move on now to number two in our outline. What? Love does not. What love does not. We've seen what love does. The love that touches others. What love does. Just two attributes here. Love suffers long and is kind. Now as we, we go on in verse 4, we come to number 2. What love does not. Paul goes on and says, love does not envy. Now, the, he says love does not here. Now, the next three things in this verse is what love is not to do it's 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 what we find in the negative what love is in the negative and actually next week we're going to go on to five more uh, uh more uh, what love is in the negative and that's going to be part two but here he starts out in verse four love does not envy so the first thing what love does not love does not envy envy means that strong desire to have what someone else has that's envy. The NLT renders this love is not jealous. Yeah, we know that. Envy, jealousy, they go hand in hand, don't they? You know, as soon as I read it, my thoughts, I remember years and years ago, I remember when I was on staff at a Calvary Chapel in California, my friend, he, was, he had his office right next to mine, uh, I, had, I purchased this digital camera. It was one of the first ones to come out back then when technology was, was changing. And, and, and I was showing him this digital camera I got. And, and so this, my pastor friend, he starts joking. He said, oh, I hate you. Oh, I hate you. You know why? Because he wanted one. Oh, you got one. I oh, I just hate you. And he, he was joking, right? And a few, few years later, uh, God had sent him out to England to start a church there. And then um, uh, we went and visited him. And, and then he, he pulled out his new digital camera and and it was the same brand of sony that i had but it was the updated model and and the first sony digitals were, were kind of fat like that his was skinnier like half the size and goes look rick look let me see yours <laughs> he goes oh look at that look how skinny and sleek mine is you know and we would you know we would just joke in that way and all that well Put, he, put the joking aside. Some people are serious, right? What is that? Jealousy. What is that? Envy. Paul's saying that is not love. That's the idea he's saying there. Because why? You're only thinking of yourself, right? Of bettering the other person. You're only thinking of yourself and not the good or the blessing of the other person. And I'll tell you, envy is really bad. I mean, think of how bad envy is. In Genesis 4, envy murdered Abel, right? Genesis 37, it was envy that caused the brothers to have Joseph sold to slavery. And you know what? It was envy that put Jesus on the cross. Did you know that? In Matthew 27, 18, it says, For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. Jesus knew 
that the, the Jewish leaders handed Jesus over to the Romans to be crucified because of envy. Selfish envy, it only brings pain to other people. So Paul says this, agape does not envy. Love is not being jealous about what someone else has or does, but it's being happy for them. Love does not envy. Agape is not being jealous about what someone else has or does, but being happy for them. John Phillips said, by contrast, love is generous in the face of competition. I like that. Oh, that hit me because some of us are really competitive. And some of us are, are and that's good in sports. It's good in, in, in you going for the goal in the, that way and, and you're, you, you can banter back and forth you know with each other and yeah I'm going to win I'm going to do that but it's bad when that competition crosses over into envy recognize envy recognize jealous when it comes and, and I was thinking about it comes in three ways first of all as we mentioned I want what someone else has yeah like I wish I had a new car like them. I wish I had a nice house like them. I wish I had a garden like them. I wish I had their clothes. Ooh, that would look nice, you know, yeah. It's not being happy for them, but it's focused on how miserable you are for not having what they have. Paul's saying, this is not love. There's another way uh, of envy and jealousy, and that is number two is this. I wish they didn't have what they have. That's another way. Huh? I wish they didn't have what they have. There's this ancient Greek story of a, a wrestler that was super jealous of what they called the prince of wrestlers back in the ancient times. And his name is, was Theogenes. And after this champion wrestler passed away, uh, they made a statue of him in honor of him. Well, this one wrestler was so angry and so envious that, that every night he would go and wrestle this statue. He would go, can you, I can't picture it, it's just crazy. And he's just, he was that crazy and angry and jealous about it, right? He wrestled this, this statue until one night he took the statue down, but the statue fell on him and he died. crazy but think about that that's what envy does it kills us spiritually it does so sometimes we're like i wish they didn't have what they have yeah but there's one more thing envy can lead to say this i wish evil upon them and i think that's the most wicked thing that envy and jealousy will have people take action to try and get them in trouble or do envy. And sadly, I've seen this in ministry. I've seen this when I was on staff. I've seen envy and jealousy trying to get the other person in trouble, trying to, trying to make them fail, trying to get them fired. I've seen envy go all the way down to that level. Paul's saying, don't do that. Agape does not envy. Love is not being jealous about what someone else has or does. It's about being happy for them, glad for them, rejoicing for them. How about you this morning? Does envy and jealousy describe you? It's not love, you guys. It's selfishness. It's, it's probably more like hate than love, right? Watch out. This is the flesh. 
This is our old person, the old man, the old person that, that has died and we've been freed from that bondage that has died with Christ on the cross and we've risen up as new creations. We're not to love and live that way. Is this you when love sees someone more popular, more successful, more beautiful, more talented? Are you happy for them or are you mad? Are you angry? Do you get jealous when someone has, has more, looks better, or they have a better job, or they're more smarter or thinner or more spiritual even than you? That's not love. You're only thinking about yourself. Agape is about the other. This kind of love is about the other person, about touching the other person. Well, let's go on here. Paul then says in verse 4, the next attribute, he says, love does not parade itself. What love does not? Love does not boast. That's the other. That, that's the idea. Love does not boast. Parade itself means to brag, to talk proudly about yourself. It's focusing on yourself and not others. Paul's like, that's not love, you guys, for love never will elevate themselves. You know what? It thinks of the other person first, right? It, it, it thinks of how they're going to feel. I mean, can you picture the Corinthian believers as we've been learning, right? They're all into, no, all into their spiritual gifts and how great they are, right? They're all into, well, I got this gift and I got this gift. I can speak in tongues. You can't. I'm better than you. I'm more spiritual than you. They're, all, they're about showing their spiritual gifts off. They're show off, trying to get the attention on themselves and exercising the gift of tongue, the boasting about their, their spirituality and superiority. And how would that make the other person feel, right? This small, right? So low, a spiritual nothing. Paul's saying, that's not love. Love does not boast. And that means that love is not about voicing your greatness, but thinking of others greater than yourself. That's what this means. Love does not boast means agape is not about voicing your greatness, but thinking of others greater than yourself. And that's exactly what Paul said in Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. That's love. That's agape. Love does not boast. Love puts others above themselves, not trying to one-up them. Let me ask you something here. After someone shares something with you, do you try and better them by a better story that maybe someone told? Yeah? Do you do that? Do you know people who do that? Yeah? Or when someone is like sharing their heart, they're burying their heart, and you're like half listening because you're thinking of how you can do them better, yeah? Or say something. You're not really caring about them. You're thinking about your response. You're thinking about you more than really listening to their heart. And then at the end, you're just, you just jump in and in interrupt them yeah, before they're even finished with their story because it's about you, yeah? I was reading about the 26th president of the United States who was Teddy Roosevelt. There's one thing about him was that he always wanted to be the center of attention. 
Alice Roosevelt Longworth, his, his daughter, wrote once, my, my father always has to be the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. <laughs> and you know what? It, it's true. She went on to tell a story at one wedding where I think it was the niece or someone in circumstances was where he was to give the bride away. So as soon as he came for the wedding, as soon as he entered the room, he made sure all attention was upon him, not the bride and groom. And then after the wedding, he, he, he congratulated the bride and groom. And when he left to go eat, everyone left with him, leaving the bride and groom standing all alone. How sad. How sad. But is that what we try and do? We try and be the center of the party, right? We're making everyone feel all alone and unwanted because we're trying to get all the attention. Paul's saying, that's not love, you guys. Love does not boast. Love's not about voicing your greatness. It's about thinking of others greater than yourself. How about this? Sometimes we steer the conversation back to us, yeah? back to about me, yeah? back to about talking about me. You know what? That's boasting. That's wanting you to be the center. That's not love. I'll tell you what, next time try this. Next time try to listen more than you speak. Listen more, speak less. That's what James says, right? Try to ask questions about the other person. Keep it off of you, yeah? Show you care about them. Show you're interested about them. Show you want to pray for them. So you want to get a little prayer, prayer list together for them. You know what? Then you'll show love. Then you'll show, hey, it's not about me anymore. All right. Well, let's go to the last part of verse 4. And this is the last attribute that Paul adds here. And he says here in verse 4, is not puffed up so love does not boast or love does not parade itself is not puffed up so the third thing we see here that love does not do love does not puff itself up that's the idea love does not puff itself up puff up we've come across that word before it's 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 puffing yourself up it's becoming proud of yourself now boasting is talking big about yourself. Puffing yourself up is thinking you're something big. So Paul puts them together here, right after each other. It's getting a big head. It's puffing your head up. It's big, it's, it's, it's big talk and, and big head, the related pride. It's pride really coming into the equation here. But that's not love. Love lifts the other person up. Now, this was a problem with the Corinthian believers. Remember at the beginning uh, or towards chapter 8 in 1 Corinthians 8, Paul wrote, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. The Corinthian believers are always talking like they know. They got the knowledge. They're always giving advice. They're always the one who knew better. They're never humble about themselves. And so we learn, right, a little knowledge well, it gives pride, right? A little knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. It's that better than you attitude. So they are better than you, tearing down, making others feel less to their spiritual superiority. But on the other hand, Paul says, hey, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Love builds up. Love helps. Love encourages. It helps the other person feel 
that they're loved. So Paul is just relating, bringing that back into the mind as they're thinking, well, I get the gifts. I get, well, hey, watch out. You know what? That's not love. Love does not puff itself up. You think that, but that's not what it is. So our last point is this. Love does not puff itself up. And that means agape is not about lifting yourself up in your thinking, but lifting others up in your heart. This is our last point. Love does not puff itself up. And what that means is agape is not about lifting yourself up in your thinking, but lifting others up in your heart. It's always putting the other person first. It's about them, not you anymore. How about you this morning? Are, is it always you? Is it, are you thinking that you're better? I'll tell you what. If you really be honest with yourself, none of us are, right? If, if we look to God and compare ourselves to our holy God, what? We're nothing, right? That's the attitude. I read about two neighbors who were having coffee together when one of the later said, you know, I was just telling my husband that even after 20 years of marriage, your husband, your husband is still a gentleman. I always see him get out of the car, walk around to your side, and open the door for you. I, 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 you have such a wonderful husband. I'm so blessed about how your marriage is. Well, said the friend, I want to be honest with you. It's, it's really not what you think. What you don't know is that every time he opens the door for me, he angrily says, I'm going to have that dumb, broken inside door handle fixed tomorrow if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> but you know, I like her honesty, right? Oh, yeah, my marriage. Oh, yeah, my husband. No, she was honest. She, she said what, what it was. That's love, God. That, 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 that's love, you guys. You know, I, I think that's the best thing. Just be honest. No one is better than the other person. We all have our hang-ups. But above all, we should love. Don't lift yourself up thinking you're, you're better. No, lift the other person. Put that in your heart. Lift the person in your heart. Well, we're going to stop here for now. Part two next time. We're going to go on. We're going to have three parts in this section, actually. Verse five next time and part of six. And after that, we're going to finish up with six but, and seven. But let us understand that the way we love, the actions we take, will really show if we are truly loving or not. If we truly have agape or not. How, how do things look for you this morning? Me? Not so good. But you know what? I want to grow. Do you want to grow? I want to be more selfless. How about you? I want, I, I, want, I want to lay down my pride. How about you this morning? I want that agape love to flow out of my life. Not, not just love, not just emotion, not just my definition, but what the Word of God is telling us to do. Don't you this morning? Well, I'll tell you what. God is giving this to us this morning because he wants to do that work in us. 
He's the one giving this message. He's the one putting in front of your eyes in your Bibles this word because he wants to bring to our attention that we need to grow. We need to go farther in this, that he is there helping us, wanting us, coaching us, putting in us this love. If only we be aware, say no to the flesh and walk in the spirit. Let's do that this morning. And then we could be like how this one little girl described her grandparents. And I'll close with this. Rebecca, age eight, described what love is this way. She said, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time. Then she said this, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love, guys. That's a good picture of that selfless agape love, of thinking of others more. That's agape love. That's the love that touches others. Let's pray. Lord, I am so convicted here, God. It's hard to even go through this passage, Lord, knowing that I have failed and failed many times and am so weak in this area, Lord. But God, as I surrender myself and my heart to you, I ask, Lord, with all of us, Lord, that you would help us, God, to love like this, to have this kind of love, Lord, to love with true agape, God, and not the definitions of love and, and the ideas of love of what we think, but to reach for the higher level, God, as we deal with each other and our relationships and people in this world. God, it is our heart, Lord, that we can live for you and be a light for you and that this love, the agape love, your love, unconditional love can flow through us into this dying, loveless, hurting world. Lord, help us, God, today to be your servants, to be willing to love like this, to sacrifice, Lord, ourself and our, our wants and, and to be able to be and have the ability to take the hits and the hurts and the abuses and the injustice, Lord, and still love. God, help us to learn in the situations that we are in and in the situations that we face when it's so hard that we would learn what it means to love unconditionally with agape love, to love fervently as you asked us to do. So Holy Spirit, come upon us now, fill us now, and help us. In Jesus' name, amen.